Okay, fuckos, we're here. We've changed, but not our underwear. We've become the worst versions of ourselves. One of us took up smoking, the other fucked Barney Rubble's wife. We're talking Stone Age <laughs> swinging and nicotine addiction out of a terrified empathy for a dearly beloved friend that doesn't want anything to do with us. Because we're time travelers to distant eons of Hanna-Barbera cartoons, chrononauts of sex going back in time to see if baby Jesus would maybe want to drink Grand Cru Burgundy with us before it got too expensive for anyone but Nazis. And none of these Tiki Torch wannabe teutonic dumbasses in every pwned up corner of flyover America. They don't got the money for that either. And no, we wouldn't kill baby Hitler. We'd just try to get that little piece of shit accepted to art school so the Nazi party could find some other avatar of Wotan or whatever folklore bullshit that methodected Charlie Chaplin mustached ass piece of garbage convinced himself he was whenever Ren Lenny Riefenstahl had the camera on. Hell we haven't yeah. figured out our YouTube channel yet, but stay tuned for our upcoming docudrama, Triumph of the Will They Have Sex. Hell Spoiler yeah. alert, they don't. They Anyhow, don't. Nazism is sadly alive and well in the hearts of idiots everywhere, and as we try to figure out how to combat such ancient fucking stupidity, we'll be here, drinking wine and drowning our sorrows in Fruity Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles, the official cereal of swingers since the Stone Age. If you leave them long enough, the milk basically tastes like Grenache. Fuck Kellogg, let's start the show. <laughs> let's start the show. <laughs> nice, dude, that's fucking good. I kind of like writing it, not like not letting you read it before. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I, I appreciate how you're like, oh, let me see. Like, what do you think? Do you want to edit anything or anything? But no, it's very funny. Just, just. I mean, also you wrote that in like a minute and thirty seconds. So <laughs> very good. Uh, I was, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. I was, you should use it too, but we should both use it. I was laughing at it before, just using the pen name of Penis Fantastic. <laughs> I think that'd be a great pen name. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that shows promise. Yep. For sure. Definite promise. Definite yeah. promise with the penis. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic penis. Fantastic penis. Fantastic comma penis. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. We're looking for a fantastic penis. <laughs> I'm a pe penis fantastic. Penis, penis fantastic. Uh, wait, yeah, it's... one moment. No, I think they filled the form out wrong. Oh man, yep. Oh, dude, <laughs> I love that. It's, oh, yep. It's just like pocket aces. Is really what that is. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, it's two aces in the hole, buddy. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Nice man. You drinking anything today? Yeah, I have a I have a glass of 2015 Oregon Chardonnay. Um, I was actually I didn't open anything. Uh, that was it was already open in the fridge, and I was just mm -hmm. revisiting it. Um, nice. I was drinking some. Oh, I need to look the producer back up. I I got to have a glass of uh, this really great Italian white blend last night. I tried. Mm. Um, oh, it has a dragon on the label. Um, Sick. It's a yeah, badass yeah. wine with dragons. And shit, it's made by uh, it's like trying, Jack Black. I know the producer. Like I've had it before, but um, it was the nineteen vintage, and it was fantastic. Huh. Um, Do you know generally which grapes? Was it like a? Was I like know it's mostly Chardonnay. Oh, cool. Oh, here it is. Uh, yeah. Um, a northern Italian thing. Uh huh. It literally called um, Luigi Baldana Dragon Blend. <laughs> oh, nice. Baldana. Yeah, yeah, Luigi Baldana. Yeah, makes great yeah. wines. Yeah. Um, Dragon Blend. I gotta look that shit up. Yeah. So. Um, Packaging may vary. Um, it's um, looked at the wrong. I made the mistake of going to the Drizzly um, site, so of course there was no useful information there. Dude, this um, label's sick. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, dude. 
Yeah, I was drinking that last night. I kind of wish that I'd like you know. Well, it was like I was drinking. I was like, oh, this would be a perfect wine for a um for for an episode. But, El podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, Nesetta, Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling, Renano, and Chardonnay. Huh. Very so, cool. Yeah, a couple uh couple varietals there that I don't know anything about. Lange Bianco. Lange Bianco. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, Northern Italy, they do a bunch of really cool white blends, and uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it's like it's one of those things with so many like like uh, good Italian wines that I it's like I've had a whole bunch where it's like, what is this? And you're like, I don't know, it's fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like I have no idea. It's like anything from like Southern Italy or like like even like Central Italy, like uh, I guess like on the eastern coast. If it's mm-hmm. like outside of like full Sangiovese zone, it's like yeah, mm-hmm. I have no fucking clue. Yeah. I was uh, I was I was drinking it while talking to um it was funny I was having maybe maybe it spurred the conversation. No, I think it was I was talking to a winemaker um uh about their property and the idea of like doing just like white field blends because they they make mm-hmm. one uh, that I haven't gotten to try but they also do a couple little like little runs of they have like a little bit of riesling out of their property and then they have uh, some pinot gris but they, they don't have huge amounts of any of that. But then they also do a little white blend that's always supposed to be like you, you're you're not going to know how much of whatever's in it, mm-hmm. and then um, we were, that got us on the whole subject of white blends because uh, this winemaker is good um, good friends with uh, um, other uh, the the folks that share the space that I work in who also make a great white field blend mm-hmm. that um, we're both quite well acquainted with. So we were just talking about <laughs> that, and then uh, my buddy like we were at this uh, birthday party and then a buddy of mine walked in and just like walked up with that bottle of wine the the uh, <laughs> dragon blend and we were both like oh perfect yeah that's <laughs> we were really just talking cool. about this yeah it nice. was really it was really funny um yeah so it was really cool it had that kind of like um there's like a i always kind of get a certain amount of like oxid oxidation and mm. um mm-hmm. sort of like lactic driven acid from italian whites or at least if there is a the i don't know that the the acid always feels less like it can sort of have that oxidized apple flavor to it, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have quite the same cutting like grip that um, malic acid sometimes has. But mm-hmm. it also mm-hmm. it might just be like letting the malic acid kind of. Um, it, they, it, I always get the feeling that those wines are kind of ripe. You know, they always taste mm-hmm. like pretty pretty well developed. But it's pretty. You know, it's warmer up there than than where I'm thinking of like you know malic driven white wines coming from. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I think one of the things I really, really do like about um, Italian whites that it has uh, so, so many of those wines have the ability to really straddle that line where they can have you know be texturally rich and feel mm-hmm. and you know taste and smell and feel ripe, but then also have that like like um, underripe almost like like uh, like apple or pear like core. You know, like if you yeah, like bite too yeah. deep into an apple or pear, like they have like that, not like astringency or like like watermelon rind, like that kind of like tartness mm-hmm. to it. That um, like you're talking about with sort of like lactic acid type thing that I think goes really well with uh, cheese and just Italian oh, yeah. food in general. Yeah. And yeah. Italian whites are like the most food friendly wines. Like it's unbelievable. They're so yeah. good. No Italian Italian white wine and cheese is just like it's ridiculous. You, yeah, you just kind of can't go wrong. It's also like um, the uh, like the way that it pairs really well with um oh uh uh, uh just any sort of like cured meats like mm-hmm. cheese and cured meat like yeah don't even need a you don't want a like a cracker or anything you don't want any bread mm-hmm. you just want just want cheese and meat some italian yeah. white wine like totally 
You ever, um, I haven't drunk a huge number of them, but one Italian varietal that I've found myself like really impressed with that is uh, Friulano. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah, so it's, good. Yeah, they're just some incredible. And that's like some of those vineyards basically are on the border with, uh, I think it's Serbia up there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go check that uh, I got my geography right. The Slovenia, um, I know they border. Oh, Slovenia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just right up there in the corner of the country. It's like, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, well, I need to zoom out. I can't. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, by like the Adriatic. The yeah, Adriatic coast. Right, right up there. Slovenia and then mm-hmm. uh, and Austria. and Oh, yeah, it's Croatia. Where is. Oh, yeah, Serbia. Serbia is one country over. Right. Yeah. Slovenia. If you look at Slovenia on a map, it's so like. They yeah. just get so fucked out of any sort of like recognition. <laughs> well, yeah, recognition, but also like like from assholes co- like me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, like coastline. Oh yeah, no, I think yeah. like, like, just like they they yeah. have like one port, even though they have a ton of uh, yeah Trieste. Like yeah, oh no, Trieste is uh, no no that's Italian. No, it's yeah uh, yeah Copa. I think yeah Koper yeah that's so funny. That's the no, only yeah. port. It's because they got fucked over. I think in World War Two. Uh huh. Um, I think. I don't know. I can't remember the history exactly. I should know more about that. But yeah, that's like the fucking. I always forget that the shape of Croatia is so like. Oh, that's so funny. There's like a you can see like the shape of Croatia is just a big fuck you to both Slovenia and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's just like a little like bit oh, in the yeah. border where yeah, they like the same where thing. Bosnia has you know access to the coastline. Yeah. So, damn. Damn Croatia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, don't get Slovenian started on Croatia. Oh, I. <laughs> I will. I'm gonna just go for it. I wish we could get I'm, more I'm Slovenian wine. People, I'm here. just gonna piss people off by like just referring to the whole area as Yugoslavia. Nice. Yeah, do it. That's not gonna make anyone mad. No. Unless you're like close enough. You're you're yeah. you guys should be flattered that as an American I even know that that region exists. Yeah, or that it once you know went through a really horrifying set of um, internal conflicts. Mm-hmm. I was just like, then you look at fucking a country like Greece that's like all coastline. It's like, well, that didn't really help their economy. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. 2008, they were like, yeah, Dude. but look at all of our beaches. <laughs> Check out our beaches. Yeah, but how about these beaches? Yeah, well, you know. Fantastico. Penis fantastico. So you're um, drinking a Pinot Grigio. I'm drinking a Pinot Gris from Belpont from 2016. Oh, dude, that's so funny. Okay, so, yeah, the winemaker I was talking to was Brian O'Donnell. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, no, it's yeah. the uh, Belloso or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that wine's fucking great. I love that wine. Yeah. It's funny, because I, I, so when you were talking about last episode where, um, maybe it might have been the Patreon one, we were talking about how I, like, a lot of producers that I like um, tend to be, like, sort of do, do more, like, rustic or, like, old-fashioned type of production and, like, handling of wines and stuff. Yeah, and um, I assumed you were probably referring to those wines, like that. Like, I mean, that is one of the ones that fit in fit into that. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Description, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny because I talked to him. He's a super nice guy. And, oh, he's um, a, yeah, he's a really really nice person. Yeah. Yeah, when I went there for a tasting, I like just like sat with him and, and like talked with him. And he like he had like some shit to do. He's like, oh yeah, the guy's supposed to come. I like my fucking. I guess like the well or his house, like whatever, lost power to it or something. I don't know. But he's like, yeah, the guy's supposed to come. He's like, can Classic. you just hold on, hold on one sec? Like, here's just like, here are all the bottles for the, for the like tasting. Just like, I don't know, like help yourself. We'll be back in like 20 minutes. I was like, all right, <laughs> sick, man. That's cool. That's just so just watching, watching the cows and hanging out. Yeah, no, it was great. But um, yeah, so just talking to him um, and kind of shooting the shit. But he, it seems like he, um, and obviously I'm speaking for him here, but it seems like he 
I, like obviously he loves Alsatian whites because he like makes he makes like a muscat and he makes a pinot blanc yeah. and a pinot gris like he makes all this kind of shit that's like what like no who's gonna buy that like you know like <laughs> you only make that kind of thing if you really like it you know yeah and um i personally think his i mean his pinots are great but i think his whites are better than his reds and i think he and this is me like speculating i think he likes he just likes white wine better than red wine it's kind of what it seems like and yeah. the whites seem more of like very much like a passion project and red is like he grows it and they're very good but it seems more like, all right, I got to sell something, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> that's so, like that. There are so many Oregon winemakers who are like that, too. Like mm-hmm. there are so many producers. I think this is true all over the world. Essentially, it's like I think it's like Pinot is harder to grow than to make wine out of. Mm. But if you have it in the right place, then there's like a certain amount that you have to do. And then otherwise you can kind of just like, you know if you do certain things year to year you kind of have to like do a little bit more next year or something like because mm-hmm. uh, like you can get away with like very little tilling for a couple of years you can get away mm-hmm. with like without irrigating if you get the vines established pretty well you won't need to do that like it's very low input farming if you if you have things set up right mm-hmm. but then um you just have to spray for powdery mildew around here and a couple other things but you know there's there's a lot of like work that goes into it but there's not a lot of um there's not a lot of uh like there's there's not a lot of like tactical sort of um t- well the right way because this is all like also like completely undermined by like you have to you have to be completely like malleable to the weather and you also have to be good mm-hmm. at like keeping your equipment running and there's a whole bunch of stuff that is really really hard but if you set yourself up in a so they're in a kind of warmer spot and if you set yourself up with the right equipment with a vineyard set up right in a good site pinot mm-hmm. can like it expresses itself and you don't have to like monkey with a bunch of like different decisions like you can but i don't know there's a there is an element of like it's difficult to grow and it's difficult to grow right but the the like choices that you make once you decide Mm -hmm. what you're going to do you can kind of make those choices consistently Mm -hmm. so if you've been doing it long enough then you can kind of like go like okay that's what works that's what we're going to do but then with whites around especially in oregon because there's no like equivalent varietal where like it runs the show mm-hmm. pinot gris kind of did for a while there are just so many different things that you do and like it, you know if you make a I, I guess what i'm saying is like they're a great example of a of a place that does the kind of classic oregon thing which is we make pinot and that's the one red we do and maybe mm-hmm. they I, they also do game a that's like mm-hmm. we do this yeah they red wine yeah and then we make like five or six white varietals and yeah. we make each of them in their <laughs> own way and they each have their own program and so like there's a lot more like minutiae to that it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. do you want to come barrel taste Pinots? And it's like, oh, sure. And it's like, okay, what's what's your white program like? Well, it's like, we got a cement egg over there. We got a stainless steel tank over there. We've got two large format barrels with another varietal <laughs> in it. And then um, there's just sort of like a bunch of buckets that I've got like the leftovers of some other things in. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's a, it's a much more sort of like they're at a given cellar. There will be a lot more versatility on the white side than on the red side mm. when it comes to like the real like shape of how things are done and that's there are some places where that's not true and there's like a lot of different cap management routines with the reds or there's like sort of experiments going on and there's like a mix of like native yeast versus inoculated and stuff like that but there are a lot Mm -hmm. of people who just like they make a they make pinot that's the one red wine they do and then they do all their fermenters the same way like that's a very Mm -hmm. common thing Mm -hmm. i don't think i don't know enough about their pinot production to say that that's how they do it but like i can like he's totally the kind of guy that like talking to him was like, oh yeah, Pinot is like a thing that you're like, I I have a handle on how I'm doing that, but I'm just constantly exploring white wines. Yeah, 
yeah. is my impression. Totally, yeah. And he seems just a very, like, non, or, like, a low-intervention type of, like, winemaker and just, like, that's his general philosophy anyway. And I liked, this has turned into the Belpont podcast, by the way. Yeah, um, we're, uh, he was we're sponsored <laughs> by them and Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> and Fruity Pebbles, yeah. Because um, he was saying, which I really, like, respected, because I was like, do you do, like, what's your, like, vineyard management like? And, you know, it's sort of alluding to, like, okay, like, what do you, are you kind of, like, are you organic but not certified organic? Like, that 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 type of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, we basically do, like, more or less, like, fully biodynamic stuff but like i'm i'm not get i'm not gonna get certification like that's not worth it yeah it's you know and i'm like that's honestly the best possible answer someone could give me i'm like hell yeah i respect the shit out of that (laughs) (laughs) yeah no he's yeah he's like um he was on a panel uh for um back in 2018 he was on the panel of um wineries that were part of the grand seminar at the ipnc mm-hmm. and there was just this moment where they were talking about like how each like the moderator elaine brown had um, been talking to each of the producers and sort of about the vintage and he just pulled out this like harvest journal which just had like descriptions of each of the days and like what had gone on throughout the growing season and stuff was like mm-hmm. oh my god this is perfect thing <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you want to borrow it i i can't remember if you like let her borrow it or what but it was just i don't know he's he's he strikes me as an incredibly like practical like because there's so many like the wine industry is just so full of people who've had to like figure stuff out on their own and there are people oh, yeah. who figured out like really wild solutions to problems that you're like i didn't even realize that was a problem yeah and then there are other people that you're like no you just sort of looked at the whole situation and went this is how i want to do it and then you you made it work like very very like you you made it work in a way that's super reasonable and mm-hmm. like biodynamics are such a good example of that because it's such a it's such a collection of hoops to jump through and then there are other mm-hmm. people who went well i think i can jump through all these hoops but i also don't want somebody like standing there whipping me to tell me to do it yeah <laughs> like, yeah totally so i don't i don't want i don't want some ringleader with a big mustache and a top hat and a and a and a in a chair like being like ha ya ya go yeah mm-hmm. you know it's just no totally it's uh yeah no i don't know it's it's really cool actually like there was this um i think it's still currently on on the site but you know he's got whatever you can buy like a a red case like a, a red case i think in, oh yeah because it's like pinot and mexicame that's very good and then a, a case of like a uh, of whites and then uh just like one that's both and the white case um is like I think there's like Muscat, Riesling, the Beloso, the uh, Muscat, yeah, Muscat, Pinot Gris, Riesling, Chardonnay, which is very good. And then he has like, on the, I think he also, also in that case is like an O2 shard or something, or a three shard oh, that damn. he made. That's like, oh shit, wow, you just like had this hanging out? Like, <laughs> that'd be so cool. And he also doesn't seem like the kind of person to like, like release it if it's like just to fucking get rid of it, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah this yeah. isn't good, you know, I'll just give it to somebody, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that'd be that'd be super cool to try. But um figure that out. Yeah, so it's it's crazy like I was looking at it and I was like, I "Wonder what the alcohol content is on this." And it's 14, Dang. which is cr- crazy, but it doesn't like it could be like 11. You know, like who Yeah. It's so hard to tell. Um the Gree Gree can hide alcohol sometimes in really amazing ways. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It um no, it's it's super it's so delicious. So like, you know how um Shannon can have that like when it's not like perfect it can have sort of like that mealy pear yeah like meat meal so this has like not mealy pear but it has like perfectly ripe like pear flesh texture nice. when you bite into like a nice soft uh bartlett yeah, yeah. like that oh, that kind of texture on there and like buddy. the cream yeah. the creaminess of it 
Yeah. That's what this has in spades. And I'm like, hell yeah, this is fucking great. When, yeah, when Gree has that, like, because I wonder if he puts it through malolactic. Because when, when Gree does go through malolactic, if it expresses, like, in a, like, the version of that that I don't love is sort of a hazelnutty thing. And the mm. really perfect version of it is that creamy pear flesh, mm-hmm. like that. It's you know, so good. Where, you know, the, you get the you get the sense that there's that like granular texture going on, like that exists, mm-hmm. but it just sort of like it it almost like melts before you actually encounter it while you're yeah. eating it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like yeah, like like poached pear yeah. or like um, dude, yeah. poached yeah. pear is so good. <laughs> it's so good, dude. You should. Uh... Oh fuck, that's right. Um, one of my friends was asking me about which of the recipes in that in that book was like the one that I like the most, and it's that like poached pear tart. Oh yeah, you gotta fucking you gotta do that shit. Oh, so dude, I, I need to. Or I'll make it. For um, you. Well, I, I need to. I need to. I, I have the book. I need to just. That's something I'll do when I'm down in California with my family. That'll be really fun, actually. Cause, oh, nice. You know, it's always my other my other siblings and stuff who do the cooking. Cause you know, one of them's a professional chef and the other one's a basically professional baker. But yeah, man. It'd be fun to. Yeah, it'd be fun to pull up one of those recipes and like have us all do it together. Um, get her done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my whole plan of like doing doing them over the winter for the house I was living in kind of fell through when I stopped living in that house. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean garage? Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, I did. Yeah, I didn't yeah. live in the house. I lived in the garage. <laughs> Let's not get carried away here. Yeah. Your... Well, I mean, I, you know. I I, appar- I apparently did when the first thing I said when I got back to town was I would r- <laughs> like to start paying less in rent <laughs> than everyone else in the house. And it's like you can you can leave. I was told to stop centering myself in the narrative and uh, yeah leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 sick. It, uh, you know uh, yeah they yeah, probably deserved that on some level right? <laughs> I guess uh, you know you could make an argument that everybody deserves something on some level. It's funny, the, a few nights before that, I'd said to one of the people who was ultimately, she wasn't there, but was kind of the person responsible mm-hmm. for the whole situation, mm-hmm. um, you know, she, she had said at one point to me, well, I deserve to be happy, and I replied, nobody deserves anything. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean, I I want you to be happy, but that doesn't mean that you deserve it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially well, it's in this like, context. It's like, totally. It's like when, when somebody says something's not fair, and you're like, what yeah. does that even mean? That's, that's yeah. I was like, also, yeah. I mean, it was followed up by, again, I wasn't being as polite as I maybe could have been, but I was like, you're acting like a fucking child. And she was like, we're all children. We all have a lot to learn. I was like, that's, okay, true, but you've yeah. also devoided that point of any meaning by saying it yeah. that way. So, um, look, I'm, I'll, I, I can just go. That, and, yeah. and by that I mean move out of my garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could have gone the whole. We're all God's children, oh, and God. then gone yeah, that no, full route. No, then... that was how that was how my conversation with my roommate went because mm. you know he he spent a lot of time studying um, uh, rabbinic Hebrew. So, um, mm. well, nice. and also just the Bible. So it's not like yeah. I told you how that conversation ended, right? I think so. We were with the parable of Judah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Wild, wild times in uh, wild. in the in the in the g- garage I used to live in. Um, yep. And what else is wild? Topic. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. The acid on this uh, Pinot Gris. You know, so this this like <laughs> it's funny because so this isn't like this isn't like Belpont Estate. This is just like Willamette Valley. So I'm not sure where he yeah. buys the fruit from. Um, mm. But it yeah, it doesn't have like. Um, 
like in certain wines, certain, like some of my favorite, and I think the best Pinot Gris from Oregon that I've had, like uh, Lumos is Rodolfo. Like that to me mm. is a very, like tastes very vineyard specific. Um, this is like a very good Pinot Gris and I love it and it's delicious, but it doesn't to me have like, like that level of like specificity to it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of, Part of that as well for the Rudolfo Vineyard is that it's a, like, not unique. Like, there are, there are plenty of other vineyards in places like that, but it's there aren't a whole lot of vineyards around it, and it's mm. a very, like, it's lower elevation, but it's also got, um, like, the between the top of the hill and the bottom, there's, like, a pretty big gradient in terms of soil drainage, and then there are several other sort of, like... It, it is a pretty interesting site because I think it... And it also just by virtue of being farmed organically um reflects the site mm-hmm. pretty pretty well but um yeah no pinot gris is interesting that way where it's it you know i think that's one of the reasons that I, and i think that's is true for most alsatian white wines but like people just kind of putting putting grapes where they'll be easiest to farm never really results in that much that much terroir because you're going to have other places that are easy to farm that you know eventually it's all going to kind of like start to blend together but then if you have stuff that's perched way up in the hills in really like specific sites it's going to it's going to be definitive to that area Mm. it's and it's interesting how broad sometimes those things can be because like where i worked when i was down in new zealand that they planted on the flat because they didn't want to deal with the hills there and it you know there was no other agriculture that was trying to take up the flatland but their their perch was right next to this like steep cliff and then Mm -hmm. there were just these howling winds that would come through so there was this huge site specificity even though they weren't like up on the hills like you know screwing around with like different elevations and stuff and different like aspects it was just like it was just right there but also the the wind was a huge impact on it and then the um just sort of the like amount of daylight they would get was uh was also kind of defined by it being down in this valley so it's kind of crazy how like how uh, maybe spiraling a bit here but it, it's really fascinating how um both just blending different vineyards together with one varietal will uh you know create sort of a will will reduce site specificity but then um i mean naturally like that's just what's going to happen uh mm-hmm. but then like there is this interesting character of like you blend stuff together and it you know it maybe still like reads like it could be from certain sites or from certain like mm-hmm. avas or something but it doesn't take much even like the same vineyard blending stuff together, you can almost hit the point where it's like, oh, this could be from this could be from any number of vineyards up in this area, but I I, I can't pay, pin it to one. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's interesting how quickly that happens, um, particularly with stuff like Pinot Gris or, or sorry Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. But then Gris, I feel like Gris is the other way where it's like really hard to find a place where you're gonna get real you know real unique terroir out of it. Mm-hmm. Because people also just tend have a tendency to not farm it super intentionally, yeah. and so when you get well farmed Pinot Gris, um, then it's a, this whole other thing where it's like it's fantastic, but you just kind of you're not used to thinking of it as something that would be site specific. So you're like, oh well, this is totally. this is really good, but like, how would I know it from this vineyard, from that vineyard, or or whatever? Like, totally. Speaking of which, mm. this is very funny. I just looked it up on uh, their site so this is the 2016 moment valley pinot gris from belpont this is the third year that our pinot gris is 100 percent estate grown in our belpont and riverwood vineyards well there you go so there you go <laughs> but so i guess it's it is you know so that's a make everybody listening to this hear me talk out my ass yeah <laughs> but i guess maybe to to 
validate what I was saying a little bit. It's a blend from two different vineyards, but it's still a state grown. Oh, okay. So it are Belpont and Rivenwood vineyards, both in the Yamal Carlton oh, okay. AVA. So oh, it could say Yamal Carlton said. So I was half wrong, half right. Um, half misinformed. Half misinformed, 100% an asshole. Half erect. <laughs> half erect. Yeah, the other half, just like, nah. <laughs> half incorrect. Half. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, let's see. 50, um, 50, half of baby. the wine is vinified in Asian wood. Fudra neutral barrel on the other half is in stainless steel. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to see anything about Mallow. Um, I don't think it says anything on it. Well, if it's if some of it's uh, a, if it's some of it's aged in wood, mm-hmm. then it might that would it make sense if it had the potential to go through partial Mallow. Mm-hmm. Maybe it puts the. I mean. Yeah, it's possible that he keeps the stainless stuff from going through Mallow and has the other has the stuff in barrel go through Mallow. Well, it tends to be pretty easy to keep stuff in stainless from going through Mallow if it's um because it'll just get really cold easier. Mm. Sexy. Uh, sexy. No, this bottle's fucking d damn licious. There you go. Also, no, I it's... just love Belpont's label. <laughs> so oh yeah, no, Belpont's label is great. Um, no, I would. Re- I mean, and also this wine, he sells it for eighteen dollars. Yeah, like yeah, that he's about right. Yeah, his prices are very fair and um, great. And another, another great thing about you know liking Alsatian whites is that like they're very undervalued. Yeah. So it's yeah. like just live it up. His, the Muscat's are very good. Also, I think yeah. um, I know a lot of people don't really like um, Muscat much. I mean, it is a, kind of a weird thing, and it's definitely an acquired taste. I feel like um, it's like the wine's very tasty. The acid's not quite as high as like some of the like top examples that I've had from um, like Alsace or something, mm-hmm. but um, it's still good. Like it's not like flabby or flat or anything. But yeah. um, you just serve it a little. Like I basically normally have my whites like a little bit cooler than room temperature. Like I don't really yeah. have them like cold. But if you have that like not right out of the fridge, but like whatever, like you pour a glass and you let it sit for twenty minutes out of the fridge or something, super crisp, delicious. Nobody would be like, "What do you mean it doesn't have like super bright acid?" Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. So, um, also, I think with the different, like, temperature, serving temperature is pretty good, a good topic to talk about in an episode, but it's like the more aromatic yeah, wines typically topic. want colder, generally, uh, right? Yeah. That's like the standard type of thing. The older? No, like, more 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 aromatic whites want, like, want a, a colder serving temperature versus... Uh, yeah. Well, the, yeah, generally, the rule that I go with is, like, the warmer you let the wine be, the more, um, the more apparent any potential flaws are going to be. So, mm, like, or, like... Squirreliness in in the glass, so like I don't know. I always like I always like serving. I always like drinking white wines at basically room temperature because that's when you like you'll learn the most about it. And then just Mm -hmm. depending on what you're serving it with or just kind of the mood you're in, then that kind of determines how long you leave it in the fridge. But yeah, yeah. In terms of like really judging the quality of white wine, I tend to almost always want to drink it at room temp. Yeah, yeah. That's why I just like eat all of my natural wines. (laughs) You just watched. Because I always eat my natural wines because I have to freeze them to hide the squirreliness. <laughs> just have a big, you just stick a stick in the end of the bottle and then stick it in the freezer and then you just smash yeah. the bottle and yeah. you get a big lollipop <laughs> or a big popsicle. Um, let me see. Um, yeah, you were saying. Oh, I was just uh, looking at, um, uh, that's kind of, oh, that's kind of cool. They you have a mm. lot of information on their tech sheet. Um, I don't see anything about, oh, this is the Pinot Noir. Um. Oh, you're looking at Belpont? Yeah. Um, oh, something I was going to say about... Some, what was I going to say about something... There was something else that you brought up that I was like... It was 
uh, interesting topic. Um, I'm got. I'm just drawing a blank now. Pigs in a blanket. Pigs in a blanket. They're so cute. They're so cute. This one would go great with pigs in a blanket, actually. It's very tasty. Your sweet bippy. Some people are like, yeah, a little honey mustard. I'm not the biggest honey mustard fan, honestly. I just like mustard. Yeah, I like mustard too. Uh, Dijon really is really kind of that's I could eat it with a spoon, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I'm making a little vinaigrette or something. A little salad dressing, you know, then I'll just, whatever, do a scoop of, big, big old heaping scoop of Dijon in a bowl, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, I, I, you know, I, like, tap it, try to get as much as I can off. And then what I do with the rest of it? Do I wash it down the sink? No, I just eat it. Stick the whole spoon in my mouth. It's delicious. There you go. Nice. Dijon mustard, folks. It doesn't get best. any better than that. So, I'm going to guess that there is some amount of uh, malolactic it goes through, because in the comment section of their 14 Pinot Gris, they say the warm 2014 growing season facilitated a return to our typical house style of Pinot Gris, rich, ripe, and complex. This represents the first vintage where our Pinot Gris is 100% state, estate grown. Our two acres of Pinot Gris at Belpont Vineyard are supplemented by 2.4 acres next door at Rivenwood, which we lease and farm as an extension of our estate. Hmm. As always, we harvest on the late side to get more ripeness and concentration and employ long fermentation and aging to build complexity. The wine is medium to full-bodied with a nice balance of richness and freshness. So the part where they say long fermentation, um, that would be just like in barrel, letting it letting it slowly finish fermenting. So, you know, um, mm. their RS is 1.7 grams per liter. So that's a pretty low RS, like, um, and honestly, a pretty high pH, 3.55, um, which is kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. So that, um, that also indicates the 3.55 pH along with the uh, little RS and the long aging. Mm-hmm. Those all make me think that... Um, that it would go through at least some, if not full, malolactic. Mm, um, interesting. Of course, that's 2014, and maybe it's different year to year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people make those choices in different ways. But yeah. uh, malolactic fermentation will push the pH up and reduce the like perception of acidity, as that's we've true. talked about. Before. That's interesting because they, yeah, they're they're giving you the pH in the bricks of when it was harvested at 3.3 and 3.43, and then they're giving you the finished bottling yeah. pH. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, they I give you a lot of information on here. I think they okay, gave for the, the for the folks at home. Yeah. Yeah, RS, yeah, yeah. residual sugar, mm-hmm. and then in grams per liter, uh, that's just the amount of sugar remaining in the wine. What is the, like, yeah. when, when does it taste dry? It's not zero grams per liter for the folks, right? It's around two? Well, you is can't, that... yeah, you can't really truly get to zero because there are unfermentable sugars in wine. Um, so, you, you nor, like, dry is, I think, considered something around, like, like point, like, uh, four, like, three to four grams per liter can read as dry depending on the wine but like two mm-hmm. is yeah two is a pretty good um two is a pretty good number to go off of uh gotcha. and, and then yeah and two grams per liter that's also like uh because it's gr- one gram in a liter is one one thousand so it's like that'd be point one seven percent okay uh, yeah. rs I, I think maybe i'm i always get my math mixed up in that stuff but but yeah them harvesting this at 24 bricks and 3.43 ph and then the finished ph being 3.55 like Maybe, you know, that could just be the, um, from, from primary fermentation, but it just a lot of like what you said about the wine and then what reading here sounds, um, sounds like it went through some amount of mallow to me, but Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. And then, sorry, go ahead. Those are things that are, you know, hard to, especially if I'm not drinking the wine or like talking to the person who made it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just, I'm just, again, talking out my ass. (laughs) No, no, totally. But, um, okay. So another thing that, um, it's a good conversation, I think pH versus titratable acidity or ta mm-hmm. um which one 
because I've heard like a lot of different things from a lot of different people, but essentially like how acidic a wine tastes, like that's mm-hmm. has more to do with TA than pH. Like, Absolutely. Sort yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tastes, how it feels in your mouth has a lot to do with yeah. pH. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, and the two are very related, but then there's also the problem of like, t- so titratable acidity and total acidity are both, they, they both get referred to as TA. And then there are, there's also, um, uh, like just figuring it like i believe that there's also just like taking a measurement that's supposed to tell you how much tartaric acid there is in the wine mm. <laughs> so, so those are all ta i think they're all referred to as ta <laughs> uh, which is kind of annoying Sick. yeah i think generally what people mean is because it's the most um it's the most measurable thing and it's the most kind of like valuable number because it says the most is titratable acidity but mm-hmm. um, you're sort of taking the titratable acidity to get a sense of how much tartaric acid there is in the wine. Because if you're going to buffer the, the wine with acid, you're going to be mm-hmm. just using tartaric acid. So gotcha. to, to affect TA, you add tartaric acid. And that also will then all that'll the first indication that you get of that is big swings in pH. Mm-hmm. But swings in pH can also happen because of malolactic fermentation. And then you might instead of, you know, once you get through malolactic fermentation, depending on how much um you know, uh, you might, sometimes people add lactic acid late. Um, sometimes people even just bump a little bit of citric acid into a wine to Mm. give it a different mouthfeel. But, um, Mm. generally the number that is being indicated by titratable acidity is tartaric acid because tartaric acid is one of the things that's unique about wine grapes. I I believe wine grapes produce higher quantities of tartaric acid than any other fruit. Um, Mm -hmm. at least in terms of like percentage of, uh, Mm -hmm. the overall, like, like tartaric acid is the dominant acid produced in wine grapes. Um, Mm -hmm. But then in terms of like fruit acidity, most people are much more like the most common fruit acid is citric acid. Uh, Like all citrus fruits, the dominant acid that gets produced in them is citric acid. And then uh, in like green apples and stuff, it's malic acid. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and then there's all kinds of like, science that i don't know about why that is that way or what you know Mm -hmm. why evolutionarily those things would happen but it's uh, one of the reasons that wine as a product exists the way it does is because of all of those acids um tartaric is the most stable so it a major function of how wine is able to be preserved for so long or stay drinkable for so long is just the high high quantity comparatively to other products like fruit products of tartaric mm-hmm. acid nice which is pretty cool pretty cool guy stuff yeah one thing i think would, that would be cool for an episode idea or we can even do it now or or whenever is to like go through and be like okay well, like what is a standard like ph like rs oh, and ta yeah. for I, like I would, chardonnay yeah. what about for like a typical like obviously gent like it's is a wide spectrum are you making chablis or are you making like butter chardonnay you know like that that mm-hmm. sort of thing yeah and we could either like things that you know about <laughs> or we could like do some research and check on like tech sheets and stuff to see i have a bunch like, of tech yeah. sheets that i need to go through anyways just because i need to do some homework um and nice. so let's do it for the, an, an episode soon because uh, tune in I'll next actually, week yeah tune in next week for the numbers game it's number wang <laughs> number wang yeah guess an answer guess just guess a number one to uh Four, 14 nope wrong uh, 13 that's better <laughs> yeah. that's better i mean a general ballpark just we can get further into it with different varietals but generally you pick grapes in the neighborhood of 23 bricks 
which is a measure. So bricks is based on percentage of uh, suspended solids in a liquid. And that's very loose. Like it's not actually, that's not, so it's suspended solids, which is supposed to just be sugar, but there's all kinds of other like uh, minutia to why that's not just like a, a, a one-to-one, like you can't say that it's a percentage thing. So degrees mm-hmm. bricks in theory could go up to 100, but they, because of like how solutions work, especially sugar solutions, that doesn't quite work. And then there are also um, Baum units, which they use in Germany. And then there's specific gravity, which is sort of the best measurement in a lot of ways, because specific gravity is all, it's sort of like the metric version where it's just based on um, relative density to water. Mm-hmm. So by the time wine finishes fermenting, it'll be slightly less dense than water, but not like hugely. Um, Mm -hmm. alcohol is less dense than water um, and wine is relatively low so like beer i believe normally the attenuation on beer uh winds up being slightly more dense than water as Mm. opposed to um wine which winds up being slightly less dense than water Mm -hmm. uh because um yeah and then uh and so specific gravity the the like sort of the the number that you go off of is a thousand which is just based on if you have a thousand milliliters of uh water it should weigh about a kilogram like that's i Mm -hmm. believe that's how that works um yeah if you have a liter of water it's uh it's got you know it's like saying i've got a liter of water so it's got a thousand milliliters of water in it (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. uh, perfect yeah it's yeah. like i got a i got a liter of wine it's got slightly less than a thousand milliliters worth of weight in it of water and it's like well that's i guess that makes sense um yeah 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 and then uh yeah so that that number uh density essentially is the first like that's density when it comes to grape juice is how you determine um alcohol potential and then the other thing that you pick based off of which is really going to govern how flavors express is ph so a lot of people do also send in juice samples so that they get a ta number uh and then you also when you send in juice samples um like people will get ta numbers before they make their picking decisions but Mm -hmm. then the other numbers that you get at harvest are things like um yeast so uh yeast assimilable nitrogen or yan and then Mm -hmm. and that's basically a measure of um uh uh oh what's the term um nutrient like uh, nitrogen that yeast can use to go through their metabolic process and then uh, potassium is uh, one of the other measurements that you get and that's related to sort of um, that kind of gives you a sense of what's going to happen with the uh, with swings in ph and acidity because potassium um, especially so if you if you have, if you do like whole cluster fermentations, potassium in the stems will buffer the pH up in, and it will kind of happen in sudden moments of like potassium getting extracted from, I believe getting extracted from the stems. And then that will suddenly bounce the pH up sometimes as much as like 0.2. So you could go, you could be picking at around like 3.3 or 3.4 pH or even like 3.2 pH say. And then, um, you know, if there's a lot of potassium and you're on whole cluster, you might wind up with a finished pH of 3.45 or 3.5. And if you want to like, and, and but if you are picking closer to 3.4 and you don't want to get above like 3.6, say, with a finished wine, then, you know, you'll have to add tartaric acid back or mm. just not include as many stems or there's all kinds of like sort of different ways that you make those choices based on what your juice panels look like. And then 
and then there's other stuff that we, we'll, we can like basically read one through and then like post a picture of one so that people can look at it and because it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting and there's a lot of like very valuable information and all that but it's also funny to think about because it's like yeah there, there was a point in time where it was just a bunch of monks walking around in a vineyard going like well it doesn't <laughs> taste like shit and it's going to take us forever yeah. to get all of this harvested so I guess we should just start now and then <laughs> Bartimaeus that's that sounds good to me um I was gonna go you know continue drawing dirty little dirty little uh, images of you with a candle up your ass in the uh, in the margins of this pa- uh, palimpsest that mm-hmm. I'm illuminating but um, mm-hmm. I guess if we have to pick the grapes we can do that yep. well Reginald I really wish you'd stop doing that because someday some some graduate student is gonna write their whole thesis about a picture of me with the devil licking my butthole but <sighs> yeah if we could no, just get, you, the, if you, if you have get to. the harvest going that'd yeah. be great <laughs> If you, you do it if, on your lunch break. Yeah. Yeah. Dear listener, um, if you if you have not gone and looked up uh funny drawings in illuminated texts or like illuminated manuscripts, it's those monks were very bored and had an amazing sense of humor. <laughs> sense of humor. It's it's good stuff. <laughs> Check her out. We'll put a uh, link in the description. I mean, we're not going to, but we could. Yeah, we, we can might, say that we will. We might post something to Instagram that is, you know, that goes against the community guidelines. Hmm. But, but it was for Christ. It was for Jesus. So, who once we again, can do it. baby Jesus, he drinks Grand Cru Burgundy with us. And yeah. he's not a Nazi. Not a Nazi, as far as we know. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. the church, let's be honest, it got pretty fascist, but I'm not blaming Jesus for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Oh, I, mean, I almost took that away that I would have to edit out. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, uh,. So yeah, so if anybody's like, I would like to know what the fucking RS is of this wine that I'm drinking. What you can typically find is you go on to like, if you want to buy Belpont, you go Belpont.com, and then you go to like wines, and then you like just go to the Pinot Gris, and then they have mm-hmm. like, we'll just have tech sheets on there. You can just click on, and the information's just on there. Typically, yeah. it's for like, you know, it's not really for like a like a kind of a passive consumer of the wine. Really, it's for either people who are like total nerds or. Distributors or yeah, distributors yeah. or any uh, sales or reps or whoever else. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, uh, yeah. I had to write up a tech sheet that for a wine that didn't actually have a tech sheet yet for a wine huh. bar in town. I reached out and were like, "Yeah, can we have the tech sheet for this?" And I was like, "That oh, uh, one second, and just like yeah, had to go <laughs> had to go look for all of that information and put it together for them." And I was like, "Oh," and then I met somebody who was working there, and they just started like, "I was like, oh yeah, I I, I made I I helped make that wine," and like, and they were like, "Oh, I I memorized the tech sheet," and I was like, "Oh, I yeah, that uh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I wrote that in like." five minutes <laughs> you spent longer memorizing it than i spent writing it nice man no it's um it's, uh, yeah i mean it was all true it was just it's just funny how, yeah yeah you know people i would love it if you went to like drc's page and tried to look at the tech sheet and it would just took you to never gonna give you up <laughs> never gonna let you down <laughs> it's like, we're not telling that you would be great this. <laughs> do they have a website off. i don't think so um i mean you would know yeah I feel like uh, I feel God, like they dude. don't. I'm so I'm looking forward to to March. Demand de la Romaine Conti. Oh, romaineconti.com. Okay, cool. Oh, I haven't uh, found it. Grand Cru. Let's look at Latash. Um, um. <laughs> I was, people ask. People also ask. Why is Romaine Conti so expensive? Uh, that Romaine Conti is as expensive as it is is related to both sublime quality and also fuck you. <laughs> 
That's it. And also, I'm richer than you. Yeah. Uh, and simple supply and demand theory. On average, about 5,000 bottles of Roma di Conti are produced each year, and since the vineyard cannot be expanded and directives prescribe a maximum harvest yield, the supply cannot be increased. So, literally, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, no, there's no there's no text sheets. It just, it just it just says like the eight Grand Crus, and you click on one of them, and it just says like bottles produced, mm-hmm. like by year, and that's like really kind of the only. I mean, I can tell you, you I'm fairly confident. Um, I I believe I have this correct. Uh, they use 100% new oak every year. Mm. Yeah, I I'm not, you know. Yeah, I think I think I think I, I think yeah we were talking about that maybe a, co- a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um. And tell you, the, I'd love to get my hands on some of, of those twice filled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I think um, they, like, none of the wines come off as oaky, though, right? No, that's what I've been told is they all come off as uh, very, um, they all come off as very sort of umami. Mm. Yeah. Which I've had that experience with, like, pretty heavily oaked wine where it just doesn't come off as, like, especially with a couple, like, uh, Chardonnays. Like, mm-hmm. you know. You can put quite a bit of oak on there, but if it's got enough acidity up front, then that'll sort of, like, knit together into this weird other flavor that just is not that, like... Because a big part of the other, like, oaky character that people talk about with uh, with wines is, like, sometimes it's diacetyl and sometimes it's um, just, you know... I mean, a lot of people to get oak flavor are using staves and other things, and then there's, like, tannin that you can add that'll boost, like, sort of chocolatey richness in the wine or, you know, Mm -hmm. other flavors like that. So just oak in and of itself, depending on what forest it comes from and what toast that the barrel had, is really going to be more... Like, you can get much greener, sort of more astringent quality in the tannins, and then that'll knit together with, like, high acid in a way that you'll need to give the wine, like, 20 years before it's, you know, Mm -hmm. approachable, but it'll be... Right. really incredible yeah and young it'll come off as this kind of like crazy almost soy characteristic mm. yeah yeah well if you want us to be able to afford drc uh and to tell you about whether <laughs> any of that's true go to patreon.com slash and click the give them all my money button and give them all of my money button yeah. and uh you know then uh you know we'll be able to troll through uh, sellers and people's sellers who have been bought, people die all the time, you know, and they're like, what am I going to do with all this wine? And we can be like, hey, young lady, um, <laughs> that's how about, I, I can take that off your hands. How about uh, thousands and thousands of dollars? And then she'll say, okay. And then we'll drink it and be like, hey guys, guess what? Um, you're going to have to pay to hear us talk about this. Yeah. This at patreon.com slash corktain. Because this is not a fucking charity we're running here. No, nah, it's not. We're ruthless But it could be. Men. And that would actually be great because uh, then we'd have <laughs> all kinds of tax write-off and tax exempt status. Um, basically, we could set ourselves up as like the Burgundy Cross where we, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we steal people's blood and then we sell it on the black market to be able to afford really expensive wines. But it turns out all of the wines are counterfeit anyways and a bunch of the bottles are yeah. just empty. And so yeah. what we then start doing is saying we're buying those wines to put into the hands of underprivileged uh, youth. And mm. the, so then we're giving the wines to like school underfunded school programs so that those kids mm-hmm. can learn to become sommeliers. But it turns out that they're just drinking, you know, like barefoot Moscato and um, yeah. and you know yellowtail Shiraz that have been rebottled uh, by yeah. us into these mm-hmm. you know, Grand Cru, uh, Grand Cru and First Growth, um, you know, labels. And so then we we take all the money that we get and in, in that tax exempt status, yeah. And then we yeah. start a church 
which we mm-hmm. call um, the Church of the True Vine. And uh-huh. then we hire a local muralist to paint over another mural that was already on the side of the building. And mm-hmm. then um, I'm, nope, sorry, uh, talked too long. And now I'm just back in my garage um, thinking about being heartbroken and depressed. <laughs> no, but no, no, don't worry. I got you. So then yeah. if we ever get uh, the our church uh, ever gets shut down or it's not recognized, we just declare the... 55,000 acres of land that we've bought as a wildlife refuge. Oh, yeah. Like Chernobyl. And then we won't have to pay taxes on that either. That's true. And then we can sort of start some kind of commune like the Spawn Ranch and all the... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then we just shift gears from tartaric acid to lysergic acid. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. And then we, uh, you know, something, something, something. We buy a little bit of land in Guyana. The heiress to the Folgers fortune winds up just um hanging out with a bunch of uh, movie stars and drug dealers and yeah 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 the whole thing turns out to be like somehow related to jolly on west and the hate ashbury free clinic which was being funded by the cia mm-hmm. something like that i don't know i i get i get the sense that maybe i should uh, have not been so harsh on um the on, on some of the people that i was hanging out with and and maybe tried to figure out where they were uh, where they were buying those um Things that were definitely not the drugs that they thought they were. <laughs> nah. So what you gotta do <laughs> is go to patreon.com slash corktaint and yes. click on the uh, click on the um, click on the psychotropic drugs um, subscription package. And then uh, yeah. it turns out it's still just wine, but you drink enough to hallucinate. Yeah, yeah. And you start thinking that maybe the world's not such a terrible place. Yeah, but the garage you, know. you live in is. Not because the garage itself is. You made it pretty cozy. But because, um, yeah. again, uh, you know, the the only people having sex in your house are um, uh, the only two people that you really don't want to think about doing that. And, no, they're not rats. Yeah, and, and the rats, they're living uh, under the floorboards, and you can hear them chewing, trying to chew through the floorboards yeah, the, every but night. Not, I can't hear anything under the floorboards because I'm living on a cement uh, pad that was poured again to be yeah. the floor of the garage there's nothing underneath it yeah no but there's a restaurant underneath and then to throw the garbage out oh, you gotta right. mm-hmm. and there's, uh, a, there's, there's a there's a guy who's behaving very erratically because he's got a rat under the under his hat yeah his yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah absolutely yeah and and he's actually that that rat is going under is under his hat pulling out levers and typing into the keyboard patreon.com slash cork taint mm-hmm. and signing up for the double yeah. petrusse tier and his girlfriend is like why do you never take your hat off during sex and also why are you on the computer <laughs> like we were having sex and then you just got up to sign up for a higher tier of this patreon that you listen to also why yeah. do you always like turn the turn the podcast on when we start having sex like that's weird like that's i get weird the, yeah. like yeah i get that like you you know used to go out with one of those guys but it's still like kind of uncomfortable <laughs> that you like put that podcast on while we're fucking <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like it's not weird because i'm waiting for the day that they drink drc on the podcast hey and i know. gotta i gotta know yeah, I gotta know. And she's like, well, I'm just waiting for the day you finally make me come. <laughs> mm. Come downtown uh, to the... to Come on down to... Come on down. The, to patreon.com <laughs> slash corktain. <Yeah. laughs> and uh, you know, what's, uh, you know, what, a, you know I, what they I got down a, there? Uh-huh. Uh, it's a bus stop. Got cool, got cool stuff. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Bus, like it's bus. a bus stop. It's a bus stop with a with a <laughs> like a 
picture of a woman on a beach that says, come on down. Looks like come on down. Yeah. yeah. Downtown. Mm-hmm. Come on downtown. There's come a... on downtown and we'll do it old school. <laughs> yeah. We got oh, yep. frog legs. We yeah. got uh, candy, candy yeah. bars. Crippling we got... heartbreak. <laughs> My God. We got a train that I'm really trying to keep from going off the rails. You ever, pretty you unsuccessfully. ever, uh, ever watched the movie Sleepless in Seattle? What if it was no, just I've sleepless not. in the fucking garage? That I live in? <laughs> <laughs> what if, what if, a wa- in, instead of watching that, you went to patreon.com slash corktaint and you paid us $2 you a month. signed up as Tom Hanks or Meg Ryan. To, yeah. Maybe you make two accounts. You make one account that's Tom Hanks. You make one account that's, uh, that's yeah, Meg Ryan. Yeah. And then yeah. you start recording <laughs> yeah. a podcast. That yeah, you, yeah. You record the okay. podcast explicitly to try and get the other person to listen to it but you've had a psychotic Mm. break and you don't realize that you made both accounts so Mm -hmm. you're just trying to get yourself to listen to yourself so that you can finally hear yourself tell yourself the things that you need to hear which is she's never really that into you man like you just gotta get over it like it's a bummer like it sucks like yeah you wasted three years of your life but you just gotta you just gotta move on like and then you're like hey you know what's fried catfish is delicious speaking of it's fried catfish is delicious what you gotta look for you gotta make a nice tartar sauce recipe and you just laugh Either or put, hot sauce you know, on mayo, a or put bit hot of sauce dill. in the tartar sauce. Right. So you gotta, Let me you tell you, it's mix delicious. That up. It's an a, it's, you gotta it's, mix it's, it up. It's like an aioli, but it's not. But what you really gotta find is you gotta move on, and you know how you do that? You just go down to the bayou and you look Patreon. for the com person you can find just in court there, just in a and you give us sort of amount of yeah, yeah, social security number, girl, credit card information. That's all you gotta do. Just you just send it in an envelope with no return address and send it to flopping around. I don't know. Would, uh, I would flop the... around like that for you. Why not just stick your fist down my throat? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. That's jazz, is what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, should we end this? Honestly, we should probably cut out the last ten minutes of this, dude. Th- no, but, I think you know the last what? ten minutes are the funniest. Some of the funniest stuff we've ever recorded. It's probably pretty good. Yeah, so I'm not gonna don't listen know to it because I don't listen about, to this. And I appreciate but it. But aside from that. Uh, Belpont makes delicious wines. They do, and uh, they're tasty and they're yeah. fun. Yep, much like uh, Penis Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> very tasty and very fun. Damn it, dude! It really is. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Anyways, uh, you want to wrap? Catch wanna yourself wrap a, little, up? a little bit of catfish dinner there. Yeah, delicious. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Three, two. Actually, uh, uh, yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Saying goodbye, you. <laughs>